Um, I want to talk for a few minutes this evening about um, Pentecost. No surprise um, there, this is a Pentecost service. Um, but specifically, I, I want to talk about what Pentecost means for us as followers of Jesus. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, don't panic. That's okay. Think of this as a, a try before you buy. This, you can get the inside scoop before you make any real commitment. Um, but I thought it might be helpful for us to think about and view Pentecost through the eyes of somebody who was actually there, an, an eyewitness, um, if you like, another follower of Jesus, um, a man called Simon. Um, here's a photo of him. I took it off his Instagram feed earlier on. Um, Simon, he lived a couple of thousand years ago in the Middle East, um, on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, um, not far from a town called Capernaum, which you may or may not have heard of. Um, and like a lot of people in that region in that day, he was a fisherman by trade. That was his job. Um, every evening he would kiss his wife goodnight and then he would head down to the lake to uh, meet his brother Andrew and his friends James and John and they would spend the night together fishing um, and seeing how much they could catch. And then in the morning they would sort out their catch to be sold um, and salt some of it for transport and then clean all the silt out of their nets ready for the next night. It was a hard life but it was the only life that Simon had ever known. His father, um, who ironically was called Jonah, um, had taught him how to fish and he imagined that one day he would teach his children how to fish as well. He thought, I think, that the pattern of his life was set, you know, that kind of every day was laid out before him. That was until the day that he met Jesus. And I just want to tell you about that day, if I could. Um, Jesus was a, a local man, a teacher, a rabbi, as they were called in those days. Um, he'd been gaining popularity ever since John the baptizer had endorsed him. And wherever he went, crowds would follow. And on this particular day, Jesus was teaching down by the lake where Simon was working. And um, he, he finished teaching and he, he walked over to where Simon and his friends were. And he stepped into Simon's boat. A little bit cheeky, I know. And he said, Simon, would you mind putting us out a little bit from shore? And he made an invitation in that moment to Simon. He'd stepped into his life. If you, if you think about this for a moment, that boat was his whole world. It was his job, his hope, his security, his future, his legacy even. And suddenly there was Jesus standing in the middle of it, making an invitation to Simon. And actually, it's the same invitation that Jesus makes to all of us, isn't it? Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens it, I will come in and eat with him and then with me. Jesus wants to be in the centre of our lives. And so Simon had a choice. He could get into the boat with Jesus or he could stay on the shore. And of course, what he chose was to get into the boat with Jesus. And as he did that, his whole life changed. His whole life changed because Jesus placed a calling upon him. He gave him a purpose and a destiny beyond anything that he had imagined for his own life. In Luke chapter 5 verse 4 it says that when Jesus had finished speaking to the crowds from the boat he said to Simon put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon was tired, he'd been out all night, he wanted to go back so he said master we've, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. 
But then he concluded and he said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And what happened next defied explanation. So many fish swam into the nets that they began to pull down hard. He had to call to his crew on the shore to come and help, and they hauled them into the boats, but then the boats started to sink. And in that moment, having never seen anything like this before, Simon was in awe of Jesus. And it says in Luke that he fell at his feet, and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You know, very often when we come into the the presence of Jesus, we begin to recognize some of our own failings and some of our own sinfulness and weaknesses. We can't help it. But Jesus responds in this incredibly beautiful way. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Simon. From now on, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In other words, you you might not be worthy, but I'm going to use you anyway. I want you on my team. The Apostle Paul reflects on that later on in his writing when he says, Brothers and sisters, remember who you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise, or not many of you were of influence or from noble birth. But God chooses the things that are weak of this world to shame the strong, and the things that are foolish to shame the wise, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. You might not think you're worth much, but God has placed a calling on your life. And so this was Simon, this ordinary bloke with a wife and a job, but someone with a calling of God on their life. Now you might be thinking, what's this got to do with Pentecost? Don't worry, I'm going to get there. But I think the calling that Jesus placed on Simon's life that night was fulfilled at Pentecost. I think that promise that Jesus made to him all those years ago came to fruition on that day. Because you see, Simon, in fact, his whole crew, they started to travel around the land with Jesus. They went with him and they saw the amazing things that he did. They saw how he healed the sick and how he brought sight to the blind and he brought hearing to death and he cleansed leprosy from people. He took it away and he drove out demons and he preached about the kingdom over and over and over again. And they traveled with him and they saw all this until Jesus said, hey, it's your turn. He said, I'm giving you authority now to heal the sick and cast out the demons and preach about the kingdom. And Simon stepped out in faith. It was hard. He was worried. But as he began to do the things he'd seen his master do, God used him in ways he didn't expect. And his sense of purpose and calling grew within him, as did his confidence in Jesus. And in fact, on one occasion, Jesus tested them. He said, to his followers, who do people say I am? And Simon was a bit keen, so he put his hand up straight away. Pick me, Lord, pick me. Well, he said, yes, Simon. And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And in that moment, Jesus gave him a nickname. Jesus liked to give nicknames. He was good at nicknames. He'd already started calling James and John the Sons of Thunder because of their bad temper. But he said to Simon, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter meaning rock. Simon was called the rock long before Dwayne the Rock Johnson ever walked the earth. (laughs) If you don't know who that is, don't worry. You've not missed much. Um, But you know, the thing is this. The presence of Jesus in Simon's life, changed everything for him. 
It changed everything for him. With Jesus by his side, there was nothing Simon thought he couldn't do. In fact, he even tried walking on water at one point, and he managed it for like a bit. But then when he started to sink, Jesus pulled him up out of the water. And he imagined that he and Jesus would do this forever, that they would travel around preaching about the kingdom, healing the sick, bringing hope to the poor. Except for after three years, things kind of went wrong. Jesus was taken away from Simon. He was uh, arrested and put on trial and sentenced to die a traitor's death, which in those days meant being nailed to a bit of wood and slowly suffocating in agony. And Simon was left alone, and his confidence evaporated. They just left him, and even folk that were there said, hey, you, you were one of the guys that was with Jesus, weren't you? And he said, no, no, I don't, I don't know the man. Jesus, the man that had changed everything for him, he said, no, no, I don't know him. And he wondered what he ought to do now, whether perhaps he should go back to his old way of living. Of course, Jesus came back from the dead. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) He met them on a mountain. He said, go into the world, tell the people, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've taught you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. But then he didn't remain on earth, did he? He went, and Simon and the others were told to wait in Jerusalem for the gift the Father was about to send, a gift that arrived 50 days after the Passover celebration where Jesus had been crucified. And this is what it says in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed. They said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Are you ready for this next bit? Okay. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. <laughs> See, if I say it fast, people won't know if I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then, Peter, it's Peter, it's his nickname, not Simon. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. The pubs aren't even open yet. (laughs) And then he preached a sermon. 
He stood before that crowd and he told them about Jesus. He told them about his Saviour. And it says in verse 37, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter, and asked Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, all who are far off, and all whom the Lord your God will call. And about 3,000 people, it says, were saved that day. On that day, Simon the fisherman became Peter the fisher of men. Why? What changed? What finally gave him the courage? Well, simply this, the presence and the power of God came to live in Simon through the Holy Spirit. Simon recognised him. He knew it was God's Spirit because it was the same Jesus that had stood in his boat all of those years ago and made an invitation to him. It was the same Jesus that he'd been journeying with, the same Jesus that had healed the sick, that had drove out the demons. It was the same Jesus that had reached down and pulled him out of the water as he was drowning. Only now he was living inside. Jesus said to his followers before he left, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Gary read it earlier. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The incredible, the wonderful, the majestic, the fantastic, the brilliant, the amazing, the awesome truth of Pentecost is that the power and presence of God now lives within us. The same power that conquered the grave lives within us, inside me and inside you. And he's here to stay. He's not going anywhere. So what's the point? Just three simple points I want to make this evening before I wrap things up. Firstly, just like Simon, Jesus is inviting you to follow him, to make that decision to get into the boat with him. I made that decision when I was about nine years old and then again when I was 13 and 14, several times when I was 16 um, and 18 and 19 and every day since because it's not a one-time decision. Just because we chose to get into the boat years ago doesn't mean we haven't fallen out of the back (laughs) at some point since. We may need to get back in. Jesus promises to be with us, that his spirit and his presence will be with us, but it doesn't stop us from walking away. He's not a forceful God. Maybe you've never gotten in. Maybe Jesus is still standing there waiting for an answer while you fiddle with your nets. Living the same life you've always lived. I just want to say to you this, don't miss the opportunity. Because Jesus wants to give you more. More life, more hope, more purpose. More than the things that maybe you ever imagined would be in your own life. And perhaps he's waiting for an answer from you this evening. Secondly, when we respond to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or the hundred and first time, he places a calling on our lives. He gives us a mission. The point of being a follower of Jesus is not to hang around until the day we die and go and play harps on the cloud. Sorry if you thought it was. There are things that Jesus wants you to do here and now. There are people that need reaching with the love of God. There are are sick people that need healing. There are lost people that need finding. There are hurting people that need comforting. There are broken people that need fixing. And you might be the only one who can reach them with the love of God. That might be you. Do you know that? 
The story I told you at the start, Simon, he, he falls at Jesus' feet and worship, doesn't he? He says, Get, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But Jesus doesn't leave him, bow before him. He brings him to his feet and he sends him out. He says, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I want to use you for my purposes in this world. Jesus wants to use you, despite what you might think of yourself. You might think, oh, I haven't got nothing. <laughs> nothing Jesus can do with me. I'm useless. I'm worthless. Jesus says, not so. I have a purpose for you in this world. And thirdly and finally, and this is the best bit. If you haven't been listening, tune in now. In order that we might fulfill Jesus' calling on our lives, he has given us his spirit. If you follow Jesus, then the very presence of God lives within you. That means that when you step out in faith, when you reach out in God's love, he's right there with you. He says, don't worry about what you'll say beforehand. I will give you the words to say. He said, I am with you always. It means whatever we are going through, whatever trouble we are facing, whatever challenges in our life right now, Jesus is there with us. We have nothing to fear. Do not be afraid. We don't serve a God who is distant and far away and disinterested. We serve a God who sent his son to earth to rescue us, but then didn't leave us as orphans. He gave us his spirit that we could continue to fulfill his purposes on earth. Simon's whole life, his whole life was changed by the presence of Jesus. And I honestly believe that yours can be too. I know mine has. I know for many of you here, that's the truth. I wonder if the band would come and join me. We're going to sing another song um, in a minute or two to close, but I I don't want to miss an opportunity this evening for you to experience the presence of God in your life. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what challenges you have, what you're struggling with, but Jesus does. He never promises that that life is going to be easy if you follow him. He never promises us a life that's devoid of pain or suffering or hardship. But he does promise his presence. And he does promise that he will be with us through the good, the bad and the ugly. And so I guess I just want to say, if this evening you're here and you just think, you know, I really need some prayer tonight. I just need someone to come alongside me. I need to experience his presence in my life again. Maybe you've just been feeling a bit, a bit distant or a bit far away. Don't miss that opportunity. In a minute, we're all going to stand up together. We're going to sing a song and, and people are going to close their eyes and no one's going to know what you're doing. But our prayer team are here. They're going to be at the back. If you want someone to stand with you and pray with you, they'll be there waiting for you. If you don't like going to a stranger, ask someone that you've come with that you know is a believer, because it's the same spirit in work in all of us, isn't it? There's enough ministers around as well that I know you would know, and they'd be delighted to pray with you this evening if you feel that's you, and you just need someone to pray with you tonight. So I wonder if you'd just stand with me. Let me just pray as I close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the incredible truth that you have not left us as orphans. You have not abandoned us to our trials and tribulations, to our difficulties. But God, that you are present in our lives forever. I thank you as we've sung already this evening that you are here present in this place. 
And Father, now I just pray for those that are really wanting a touch from you tonight. God, those that are just feeling distant, feeling like maybe they fell out of the boat a while ago. God, I pray that you would just come and meet them in this place. Father, as we just recommit our lives to you, as we just dedicate our lives, say that we will follow you again. Father, would you just fill us with your presence and your spirit again? Because God, we need it. We need it always. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.